Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode five, and I missed you guys so much last week. Um, because of 4th of July, and we were kind of ha- at the halfway point, we decided to just take a week off. So I'm just super excited to get to be back. I'm super excited for everything we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to center everything around is the power of the inner circle. We're going to talk about friendships, Jesus's friendships. We've already kind of covered that he had 12 disciples. You know, we talked about one already in episode four. So if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. It's about commitment. Um, Today, we're going to not touch on all the other 11, but we're really going to touch on the top three, the three that were the closest to Jesus, which is Peter, James, and John. Um, But whenever I got to think about them being disciples, they were all very different. They had different needs, different wants, different personalities, different strengths different weaknesses, you know, and so Jesus picks all of us for all kinds of different reasons also. You know, in ministry, it's such a broad, it's such a broad spectrum to where we have anything from prison ministry to children's ministry, you know, but it's hard to examine ourselves and be like, well, how are we needed to grow the kingdom of God? You know, the disciples thought the same thing also, I'm sure, you know, like they had all of their faults, but Jesus got to pick, pick their strengths. And so just like nowadays, you know, some, some people, they love a pastor that's very vocal and loud and dresses casual, whereas other people don't. They like a quiet scene. They like a suit and tie. You know, I don't know what that is for you, but I just want you to know that when it comes to discipleship, there's reasons why people resonate with other people and that's okay. And that's why you're needed and I'm needed and we're all needed to be a part of growing the kingdom. Um, you know, it makes me think of like the Enneagrams, you know, um, one of my friends is real big into that right now. And so that's kind of stuff is so interesting to me. Like I'm totally anti like horoscope and all that witchy stuff, but when it comes to just your personality and, and gains of that, it just, I don't know. It just fascinates me. So I wish there was like an Enneagram for all the disciples just so we could kind of pick their brains apart. But I have really spent a lot of time picking apart these three, Peter, James, and John. Y'all, the inner circle in your life is Jesus had himself too. Like he tells us to have friends and he even chose ones for himself. You know, these guys, they were there through some thick, thick, thick moments with Jesus. And so I know that you have a group of friends. Maybe it's not three people. Maybe it's five people. Maybe it's just one person. I don't know. Um, But today we're going to really talk about Jesus's. Um, Jesus also tells us in John chapter two, verse 25. I love this verse, y'all. Because it tells us that Jesus doesn't need our testimonies. He already knows what's in each of us. So we don't come to him like it's an audition, y'all. When it comes to being a disciple of him, we're not like, look, I'm good at this, 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 this. This is my resume. No, because he's like, dude, I already know what's in you. I already know the bad and I already know the good. I'm going to use the good and we're going to capitalize on it. And then guess what? I'm going to transform the bad. So whenever it comes to this, I want you to understand that these relationships we're going to talk about today, y'all, That's exactly what he did is he's like, I already know what's in you. And I chose you anyway. So the first thing about our inner circles that we're going to kind of talk about is reliability. I'm going to read a verse in Proverbs real quick. It's Proverbs 18, 24. It says, one who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Maybe you're listening right now. And when you think about your inner circle, it isn't a family member. It's friends that stick closer to you than even your own siblings. Um, just so you know, being reliable is so important. And when Jesus chose these men, he didn't choose them because they were perfect, but I guarantee you that they proved that they were reliable to him. They were trustworthy. They stood by his side, even when they failed at it and they fell asleep or whatever, they still showed up for him. And so um, I just want to, as we're talking about his inner circle, we're talking about our inner circle. Let's think about those things. You know, are people in our lives, are we reliable people? 
are we the ones, are we the friend that isn't reliable? Because it's important that we have that. Um, he also, when it comes to intense and intimate moments, he, he chose these three. He specifically drew them to him or he kept the other ones away and only had those three. Um, they do have some similarities that I want to touch on before we start talking about the actual stories that involve them. Um, they were all fishermen. I thought that was kind of cool and ironic. Um, they were all bold and protective. So they were vocal. Um, there's a verse in Mark chapter three, verse 17 that describes James and John who were brothers as being sons of thunder. And I love that because I'm like thunder like that, that is big, right? Like thunder is noticed. It's not like they, they weren't meek, quiet, sit in the corner type men. I mean, these guys were, were on the scene and you knew whenever they showed up. Um, they also, Peter was the same way, but they also were all three loud and aggressive. And we're going to go over a few of those stories. Um, I think it was great too, that whenever Jesus referred to them as being sons of thunder, um, it made me think too, that he was cool enough with them. Y'all to give them nicknames. Like you don't nickname someone that you're not close to. You don't like, you don't nickname an acquaintance. Well, unless it's maybe kind of a negative kind of nickname. I don't know. But I think about like, like he was that close to them, y'all. He laughed with them. He cried with them. These were his buddies. And so, um, I don't know. I just thought that was neat. I'm going to read, um, two scenarios real quick, just to kind of prove to you scripturally that they were bold and protective men, all three of them. The first one's going to be in Luke, um, chapter nine, verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. As he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaria to a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there in Samaria did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So I think about like they were mad. They were defensive, right? It defended them that these Samaritan people were rejecting Jesus. And so what did they do? They're like, oh, Lord, you know, let's let's call down fire. Like they were ready to like shed somebody's blood over this hill, right? Like they were defensive. But what he say? He rebuked him. He was like, no, 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 no. This is my battle to fight. I can take it for my own self. And I want you to know, like, that's the thing, too, that I think a lot of us struggle with in our faith is like we get defensive whenever people reject Jesus because we love him so much. Right. To where it raises something us raises something up in our spirit, but really Jesus is like, look, I can defend myself. You defend your own faith by the way you live. That's how we defend our faith. Is what what kind of mindset we have during hard times, during good times even. But but he's got it. He's got it. Peter was the exact same way. So I'm going to read a story in Luke. Um, this is actually when we talked about the story in Judas in the garden. This is kind of taking place right at the exact same time. So whenever he was in the garden and, and Judas brought the high priest to come arrest Jesus, Peter, James, and John were with him. They were also with him then. And I want you to hear about what Peter does. I'm going to start in um, verse 49. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike them with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. So like, Peter's also pretty scrappy, right? He's like, these guys are coming to arrest my best friend. I'm about to slice his ear off. And he does. But what does Jesus do? He's like, no more of this. He takes the dude's ear. Who's arresting him, y'all? That's the kind of love that Jesus has. And he heals him right then. So he even goes out healing and loving on people, y'all. That's the kind of presence that Jesus had. But I just give you these things because I want you to see, we're going to talk about the end of the three of these men too today. 
But I want you to kind of gain knowledge of the characters that they were. Like they weren't just some passive, you know, nobodies. They were like the men of all men. These guys defended Jesus and they wanted to, even though they ended up having so many things wrong with them and Peter even denied Jesus. But I want you to know what their personalities were like. And maybe maybe you resonate with that. Maybe you're someone that really takes up for people that you love. But do you take up for them in the right ways or the wrong ways? We're going to learn about that today. Um, I also want to touch on, since I already talked about him giving them the nicknames, I want to touch on the fact that Jesus changes Peter's name. So Peter was Simon first. And so in Matthew 16, um, Matthew 16, 13 through 19, I'm going to read that real quick. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter from now on. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So I think he thought enough of Peter. And this is before Peter denies Jesus. Okay. So knowing of how Peter was, I'm sure that made him feel good. Like, okay, like, wow, you're giving me some responsibility. But he ends up falling short of Jesus too. So Jesus, our relationship with Christ, Christ will always humble us if we get out of hand. That's just who he is, y'all. And that's okay. But we always need to stay in surrender to what he wants for us and what he says we're supposed to do, not take matters into our own hands. James, John, and Peter, all those stories that we just read, they're wanting to take matters in their own hands. They're wanting to pull their swords. They're wanting to call down fire, right? But Jesus, he has his different ways. So these three men, these were his inner circle. Um, I'm going to touch on a few things too that, that he could be with them that we should also be with our inner circle. Okay. He could be private and confidential with him. We're going to read some stories today and we're going to talk about some times where he could, he trusted them to keep things private. He told them, okay, we're not going to talk about anything that y'all just saw. And they were confidential and he could trust them. Another thing is he drew to be around them whenever he felt like he was under pressure. The last thing is going to be he included them when he demonstrates his power. These three guys, y'all, these are his intimate, intense boys. Like this is his camaraderie right here. Um, He trusted them and they trusted him. The first time we're going to talk about is going to be the transfiguration. This is going to be in Matthew 17, 1 through 9. And I'm not going to read it, but it's going to be in your notes for you to be able to access. But if you're listening right now in your car, I just want to be able to kind of give you the overall, okay? Um, the transfiguration was never Jesus took them to the high mountain. And what he did there is he, he changed his appearance. Okay. He showed them his glory. He trusted that number one, they weren't going to be afraid and that they were going to accept whatever he was showing them. He was vulnerable. Your inner circle are people that you need to be able to be vulnerable with. I know we don't have some superpowers because we're not God in the flesh, but can you show them your true sides? That's what that's about. Whenever he went to the mountain, y'all, He shed off all the things that he wanted to so that he could be, show them the inner of him. We need to be able to show the people that are closest to us, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the great. We don't need to conserve our our greatness because we think it might make them feel little because Jesus didn't, he didn't with them. He showed them exactly who he was. And on that mountain, he also presented himself with Moses and Elijah. So all three of those great men, those other prophets were beside Jesus. 
And so I just thought that was an impeccable moment that only those three got to witness. The second one is going to be that I'm going to talk about is that whenever he battled death in the garden. So whenever he went to the garden to pray, he called those three with him. Like he knew that he was about to go into battle. And what he was doing was he was praying, y'all. He was pleading with God that if there's any other way we can get this deal done, if there's any other way that I can be a sacrifice and we can wash away their sins, can we please do it? And I don't think that in my belief, I don't think that he was scared of what was coming on the cross, even though he knew it was going to be brutal. I think that he was so terrified to be separated from the father because y'all, he knew that once he was on that cross and he took on our sin, he had no sin. But when he took on our sin, God can't dwell with sin y'all. So whenever he took on our sin, he was going to be separated from the father and he was in the garden. Y'all, he was crying. He was mourning. He was so upset, but he wanted his boys there with him. Could they change the scene? Could they help the circumstance? No, but he wanted them there. He wanted their presence. And that's what our inner circle is supposed to be too, y'all. Even if they can't change our circumstance, we want them there just to hold our hand. We want them there to sit in silence. We don't need them to have all the answers. We just want to know that they're with us to love us. The last one is going to be whenever he heals the the ruler's daughter. So there was a, a ruler named Jairus. And he ends up going to seek out Jesus because his 12-year-old daughter, she's dying. And he ends up finding Jesus. He's like, look, can you come? Can you heal her? And so Jesus goes to this house. Whenever he gets there, though, he makes everybody else stay out besides three, Peter, James, and John, along with her two parents. And so he comes in and they're like, you know what? Well, you shouldn't even get Jesus to come because she's already dead. And Jesus is like, hold up. When I get on the scene, things change, right? So he goes over there. He tells Jairus, he's like, if you'll believe, she'll be healed. And Jairus did. Her inner circle, her dad believed and she was healed. But also Jesus had them there present to witness that. And to me, like it resonates so much because the thing is, is he wanted them to be able to witness that even though I'm not there, belief is what changes things. Believing is what changes things. And sure enough, she was healed. She got up. Everything was fine. But he had them only there for that moment. And so I just know that these three were special guys. All these three different things. And there's other ones also, guys. I'm just touching on these because we only have 30 minutes together. But I just want for you to understand that Jesus had his boys. He had his inner circle. And so, you know, we know that they were special. We know that they they also wrote their own books toward the end of the Bible. We got James, First and Second Peter, and then three verses, three books in John. And John also wrote Revelation. But, you know, I just, whenever you read these books that they wrote, you see how their character changed so much from whenever it was in the Gospels. You want to know why? Because of Jesus. So let's talk about our inner circle. Do we have a kind of inner circle that would bring us to Jesus? Do you have an inner circle that's got all the answers on their own? Or you do, have, do you have an inner circle that's like, look, I don't really know what's going down. I can't fix this, but I will go to the throne for you. And I will intercede in prayer and I will lift you up and I will seek scripture to know what we can do in this situation. Those are the kind of friends you need in your inner circle. And you need Jesus in your inner circle. You need friends that have Jesus in your inner circle. Because when you have that, you have access to such a higher power than what is of ourselves or your friend selves or your family selves. Um, but they need to have the Holy Spirit. Um, our our inner circle also has the potential, and I, I want to say this too, they also have the privilege to produce power in our lives and situations through Jesus. When we have access to Jesus Christ, we it is such a privilege that we even have that kind of superpower in us, y'all. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us. Um, once Jesus had gone, 
when he left the disciples to go be with the Father, we learn in the Great Commission that he's like, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you authority through the Holy Spirit to go make disciples of all nations, to teach them, okay, to heal, to, to fulfill prophecy, all the things, right? The Holy Spirit gives so many gifts. But I just want for you to know that they had to access that too. So I'm going to read a story real quick in Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read, this is going to be around verse 1 and 8. But what it is, is Peter and John are there by themselves. And they come, this is after Jesus has already gone. Okay, he's back in heaven. And what he, what they do is they go up to the gate called Beautiful and they see this lame man. And he's just sitting there. And what he's doing is he's begging for money. And so Peter and John walk up on the scene. And this guy's like, hey, I need some cash. Do you have anything? And Peter says something to him. And I want to read it. In verse 6, I'm going to read there. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, taking him by the right hand. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So what did Peter do in the name of Jesus? He healed him. John was with them. They were in the spirit. They healed this man. So there's a lot of people on looking over this still. So I'm going to jump real quick to verse 16 because there's people there. And so Peter's taking advantage of the opportunity that people have witnessed this miracle. Now I get to tell them where the miracle really came from because it wasn't me as a man. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see now was made strong. It is Jesus name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. So Peter didn't walk around and be like, wow, look what I did. Look at me and my me and my buddy John. When we get here, things happen. No, he didn't. He said, I'm going to take advantage of this time to say, look, it's Jesus and his name and the faith that we all establish in him that is able to make this man walk again. He gives all the credit and all the glory to Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. The name of Jesus is powerful. The Holy Spirit gave them what they needed, and he'll also give us it also. Y'all, we're called to be disciples of all nations. We're, we're called to do these things. We're called to teach the gospel. We're needed and we have authority to do it, but we have to walk in that. And your inner circle, these people that are going to be surrounding you and doing life with you, they need to pour these things into you to where you stay encouraged, but also vice versa. You need to pour the power that the Holy Spirit is in you and give it to them and say, look, you can do the hard things. You can overcome this divorce. You can get out of financial debt. You can defeat cancer. Like we're going to lift you up and we're going to pray for you. We all go through so many hard times, y'all. And we need people that are going to dig into the pit and help us get out. So I ask you this. How did these three obnoxious, unqualified, disobedient, rebellious, and even defensive men, how did they transform into being patient and generous and loving and gentle, right? Like they turned into softies. And I just love how their character changed. And the reason why it changed y'all is simple. It's because they spent time with Jesus Christ. They got to dwell with him and live with him and they possessed his spirit. And that's what changed them from being the way they were to being new in him. And that's exactly what happens to us, y'all. When we spend time with him, when we're around like-minded believers, when we read the word of God, it changes us, y'all. It changes the way you think, the way you speak. When you choose to be all in and say, you know what, Lord, I want whatever it is that you have for me. He changes all the things that you never thought he'd be able to transform. He saw the best and the worst in them, and he still used them. When we spend time with Jesus and know him, he changes us. He takes away our bad and replaces it with his good. This week in one of our home sheets on our home studies, we end up talking about the fruits of the spirit. 
And what that does, it replaces the fruits of the flesh. Like we're born with our own desires, y'all. But when we have Jesus, he takes those things and he puts what he has to give inside of us. So since Jesus was a good friend, he, he drew in good friends. He taught them how to be a good friend because he was a good friend. And he teaches us how to be one also. But I'm going to tell y'all, just like Peter, James, and John, he rebuked them when they were in the wrong. He set them straight. He didn't just nod his head and say, I love you. No. Nah. Like he chose to be vocal and stand up and say, look, I don't agree with what you're doing. And I'm going to correct you. So I want to read something in Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So whenever Jesus called them out, he wasn't trying to be disrespectful and unloving them. He was doing it with gentleness. But he also knows from Solomon, which is the wisest man ever, in Proverbs, Solomon tells us, like, wounds from a friend are okay, but you'd rather somebody wound you out of love than kiss you and be your enemy. So when we evaluate our inner circle, guys, do we have people that are willing to take the responsibility of wounding us because they love us? Y'all, that's not a comfortable place to be in as a friend. But when someone is coming to you with love and being like, look, I love you, but the way you're living and what you're doing and the things you're saying or whatever it might be, it doesn't align with Jesus. It doesn't align with who I know you truly are. And I hope that we accept that. We don't get offended. Instead, we say like, you know what? Thank you for loving me enough to set me straight and love me through that. Because those those people that will end up saying those things to you, y'all, those are the people that are there to stay for whenever you come back to be right. But they're just trying to trying to be used by God to correct you and love you. Does your inner circle hold you accountable and tell you, or do they tell you what you want to hear? I read a quote on Facebook this week, and it says, accountability doesn't hurt unless you feel like you're in the wrong. Those people in our life that's going to hold us accountable and be our inner circle, y'all, that's a lot of responsibility that they take on with us, especially somebody like me. But I'm so thankful for those people in my life that are like, let's keep you right here. This is where you're good. This is where you're safe. This is where you need to be because this is where you're fulfilling your calling. Do you have that or do you not have that? Um, I love too that Jesus had friends because it tells us that we need friends also. We're not meant to isolate ourselves. All of us, when we get burned by somebody, we're like, I'm never trusting anybody again. I don't need friends. I'm going to do, do battle by myself. Like, no, no, you're not. You're called to be with other people. You're called to love on other people and you're called to be loved by other people. Jesus was also, even whenever they denied him and they fell short, it ended up being okay. Ecclesiastes, I want to read that verse, chapter four, verse nine and 10. It says two are better than one because when one falls down, the other can help him up. But pity anyone that doesn't have anyone to help him get up. You know, we need to feel sorry for those type people, but some people, they reject everybody to where then when they fall, who's going to be there? When you reject everybody, y'all, who's going to be there to help pick you up? The Bible says that you need somebody. So I pray that you're that you have that somebody. I pray that you are that somebody. You know, these guys they weren't perfect. They fell short and they screwed up more times than any. But you know what? Jesus chose them because he knew once he was gone, somebody had to build a new church. Somebody had to go tell them about who he was and what he did, and he trusted that once he was gone they were going to go do that, and that's exactly what they did. I love the book of James because it tells us how we need to be It tells us that we need to confess to each other because that's healing. He tells us that we need camaraderie. Peter in his books, y'all, he's very blunt, but also simplistic of saying, Jesus and the resurrection is what we stand on. He tells us how to live a holy life. 
Peter is very, very, he conveys that very well. And then John, his books, y'all, John was very trusted by Jesus because in Revelation, when Jesus came and he gave John vision and he he had him and he said, look, this is what's going to come one day. I need you to write this down because people need to be aware of it. Like Jesus knew that they were reliable. He knew that he could trust them. No matter how many times he screwed up, he, they always picked themselves back up and they always surrendered back to whatever he wanted for them. So I'm going to, I'm going to start ending with this. How did Peter go from being so unstable? Like the dude was not stable. Okay. He cut a man's ear off. Like he was pretty reckless, but how did he go from that to being the exact same Peter that Jesus was going to use to start the church? How did he be the exact same Peter that had the keys? You know, like that is ultimate trust. Why would he do that? You know? But it makes me know that Peter, when he denied Jesus three times, he could have chose to be like, you know what? I'm not worthy of this. I give up. I'm just going to go and I'm going to run away from all the responsibility you've told me, Christ. I'm going to run away from it because I'm not worthy of it. Or he could say, you know what? I'm going to keep choosing you. I'm going to keep trusting that you're going to change me into being exactly who you want for me to be. And that's what he did. So I ask you, do you let your past prevent you from the future God has for you? Peter didn't let his past prevent him, y'all. He chose no matter how hard it was, he was going to keep trying and keep trying to conform to the way Jesus wanted him to be, not the way of the world. So have you been this way before? This is a touchy one for me because I have been this person. I have literally let my past, the enemy, use the exact same things over and over and over again to the point of exhaustion because I didn't want to walk in whatever it was that God had for me because honestly, I didn't trust that God could. I was like, there's no way you can use somebody like me to do what you're wanting to do. So are you that person that, that you're preventing whatever God has for you? Or can you choose today to say, you know what? I'm going to keep touching on this. I'm going to keep seeking this. I'm going to keep walking in my purpose if it's been revealed to me. You know, I just, uh, I know we keep kind of reiterating over that question, but I think there's a reason because there's some, somebody right now is listening and they're saying it's, it's me show. Like I'm the one that can't just go ahead and make the commitment. So I pray that you answer that question and that you um, choose to be honest with yourself. The second question to evaluate today is as, as you evaluate your inner circle, do you have friends that would access their authority in Jesus for you? Do you have friends that would say, okay, I'm a believer and I don't know how this goes down, but I know that I'm supposed to show up for you and that we're gonna, I'm going to go in the pit and I'm going to help dig you back out. Do you have friends that would do the hard things for you? Do you have friends that would stand firm with you? Or do you have friends that say, you know what? You're just kind of a lot of drama now, so I'm going to dip out. Like we all have hard times. We all have drama. Most of the time, the people that say they hate are the ones that have the most of it. Let's be honest. I want to have friends that say, you know what? Sean, I know you're going through this, but I'm going to be right here with you. And I don't even need to say anything, but I'm going to hold your hand. And I'm going to go to Jesus for you. Do you have friends like that? And ultimately, are you the friend that can be that? Because you you receive what you pour out. So I just want us to ask ourselves this, that this week. And the last one is going to be this. Do you relate in any way to Peter, James, or John? Um, I've gotten to really know a lot about their, their character whenever I've been doing this study to get ready for this episode. And I pray that you will also, if you get any kind of downtime, those chapters in the, or those books in the Bible are, they're not crazy long, but it tells you so much about them as people. And, and y'all will be able to think back and say, oh, that's one of the brothers Shelly was talking about her. Oh, that's Peter. Okay. And you'll be able to relate to them because that's the purpose of scripture, y'all. It's to resonate with us. 
there's a reason why all that, why they pin the Holy Spirit used them to pin all these words that are supposed to be in this book. You know, I think about, and I was going to just kind of leave y'all with this. One thing that I relate to about them is trying to take things into my own hands, trying to stand. They're obviously with Jesus, but they think they need to take matters into their own hands to defend him. I've done that so many times. I'm like, okay, Lord, you sit back. I got it. Let me handle it. When I know he's laughing at me and he's like, hush, sit down. I got it. I got it, show. And the way he handles things, y'all, is always with self-control. It's always with gentleness. It's always with kindness. And it is for sure always with peace. But we can only access peace whenever we access him. I pray that this week um, you get to evaluate your own self, what you are in other people's inner circle, evaluate your inner circle. Now you've known a few things about Jesus's inner circle. And so um, I hope that you guys get a lot out of this. If you want to access the worksheet, it is in the description of the podcast. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, it's in the description on YouTube. And if you can't find it there for whatever reason, just get on Facebook and join our Facebook group, Impact Over Influence, because all the worksheet links are clickable and they're in the comments there. Thank you so much for listening, and I encourage you that you can have a relationship with the one that created you. So spread Jesus.